What's your problem? What's your solution? This is an interview series about changing the world. Professor Dale Bradison of the University of California in Los Angeles has developed the first program to prevent and reverse cognitive decline. He is the author of The End of Alzheimer's and in this book he documents the amazing results of this program. Welcome to Camp Solutions. Your book, The End of Alzheimer's, is the result of a 30-year journey through modern medicine. What is the essence of that journey? The essence is to understand the process of neurodegeneration at the molecular level. This area of neurodegeneration, which includes Alzheimer's disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, Parkinson's disease, Lewy body disease, and a number of others, has been arguably the area of greatest biomedical therapeutic failure throughout the years. As has been said often, uh, everybody knows a cancer survivor, no one knows an Alzheimer's survivor. And so we wanted to know in the laboratory if we could understand the neurodegenerative process in enough detail that we could begin to fashion the first effective treatments and preventions. And the big surprise has been that the way that people have gone about treating these diseases, which is to take this disease, not know what's causing it, and then give a drug and see if you can essentially trick the process, the natural process. Uh, it really doesn't fit with what we found in the test tube. So the research actually shows, if you actually look at what the underlying mechanisms are, then you can see why people get Alzheimer's disease, what we can do to prevent it, and what we can do to reverse the cognitive decline associated with Alzheimer's. And so we finally were able to publish uh, back in 2014 the first examples of reversal of cognitive decline in people who had Alzheimer's or pre-Alzheimer's. Modern medicine, so far as, as we know it, is based on looking for that one drug to, to respond to one disease, to heal one disease. So what you're saying is, this is a completely different model. Exactly. So here's the problem. In the 20th century, we had a tremendous success with using single drugs to treat infectious illnesses and using public health policies. And that was really that, that combination, public health and single drugs to treat infectious illnesses was the great success of 20th century medicine. The problem is we are now all pretty much to a one, dying of 21st century illnesses, which are fundamentally different. They are complex, chronic illnesses. So no cure for Alzheimer's, that is the current position. Right. Alzheimer's is one of the few diseases that gets more prevalent than prevalent. Right. But you have a different message. Absolutely. And it's been shown, and the epidemiologists uh, have shown us, that Alzheimer's has be now become the third leading cause of death in the United States after cardiovascular disease and cancer. So it's, as you said, it's a problem that's on the rise. And so nobody says, oh, you can cure this yet. But what we can say is we're now beginning to understand why you get it. We're beginning to understand why it's so important and why it's so common. We're beginning to understand the underlying pathophysiology. We're beginning to understand that there are subtypes of it. When you get Alzheimer's, it's not always the same as when you get Alzheimer's. In fact, these can be different things and different contributors 
And therefore, for the first time, we can actually do testing on you and say, okay, here are your contributors, whereas for another person, those are their contributors, and they are different. We can tell people, we have a computer-based algorithm we've developed so that you can actually tell people, here's the percentage you have of type 1, here's the percentage you have of type 2, and so forth and so on. And therefore, here is an optimal program for you to prevent or reverse the problem. And of course, then, you work with your physician and to get, the, get things continue to be optimized. One of the lessons from chronic illness is you don't write a prescription and then it goes away. You want to continue to tweak. And sure, uh, drugs are, are an important part of this, but you want to have them on the backbone of a personalized program that addresses all of the different contributors. And when you do that, you see unprecedented results, which is what we've published. So when did you discover that you were on your way to solve a problem? So what happened, we started to look at what are the basics of the neurodegenerative process. And so actually we spent years studying what's called programmed cell death. What happens is, in fact, many of your cells commit suicide under specific conditions. Yes. And that is a normal part. You have both growth and you have suicide, but normally they're balanced. And it's when this is out of balance that you have problems. When it's out of balance with too little cell death, you can actually have cancer. When it's out of balance with too much cell death, you can have neurodegenerative or other degenerative conditions. And so at the moment, it looks as if the best way to go after this is first of all, to address it as early as possible. Not a big surprise for chronic illness. And secondly, to combine any drugs that you're gonna be testing with an entire program that is personalized to your problems. So if you happen to have insulin resistance, you want to focus on that more. For yeah. a person who doesn't have insulin resistance, that's not such an issue. Uh, but there is a set of things that you want to look at for each person. What does your discoveries tell us about uh, modern medicine? We discovered a set of receptors years ago, and we first published these way back in 1993, called dependence receptors. They are receptors that essentially look for input and if they do not get the appropriate input then actually they shut down the system and what we found is that at the heart of alzheimer's there is app which is one of these addiction receptors it is looking for the right inputs but the difference between the app addiction receptor and the other ones is that it's not just addicted to one thing it's looking at a summation of these different items and so what that tells us is that for each of these, and we start with Alzheimer's, but this is looking like it's going to be true for macular degeneration, for Parkinson's, for Lewy body, for frontotemporal dementia, and then for other complex chronic illnesses, type 2 diabetes, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, they will each have their own network. This is like taking subdomains of your physiology and saying, okay, this subdomain is pulling back because it doesn't have the right combination of supports or it has too many attackers. And you can kind of break it down into the support side and the attacker side. All of these are fundamentally what we call mismatch. So mismatch theory is the idea here. Each of these subdomains has a supply set and a demand set. And for most of your life, you've got enough supply, the demand is fine, but the problem is 
for all these different reasons, because we're living non-physiologically. We're eating things that we were not designed to eat. We're staying up later than we were designed to do that. We're under two more stress than we were designed to be. If you talk about uh, the eye, for example, um, we're looking at blue light for more hours per day than we were designed to do. Then anytime you have a chronic or repeated mismatch so that you've exceeded the design of the system, the system begins to involute. And, and, and if you're lucky, there is a program, as there is in Alzheimer's, that helps you to downsize and actually gives you a good outcome. That's why we believe people can go for years without major problems with Alzheimer's. We have people that will come in with Alzheimer's disease that are driving fine, playing tennis, doing their business, doing all sorts of things very well. They just can't learn new things. That's the first thing that goes. The cure that you are finding for, for a very complex chronic disease seems to contradict the foundation of modern medicine as we know it. Exactly. And this has been the problem. I never set out to be an activist. I set out to be a physician and a scientist. Um, but unfortunately, we found that there's a lot of pushback. When you say, look, the way I learned medicine way back in the 1970s and 1980s was 20th century medicine. Yeah. But 21st century medicine is different. Yeah. And there are a few groups that are doing that sort of thing, and certainly the whole field of functional medicine, integrative medicine, uh, what Lee Hood has called P4 medicine. Um, this is the new way. This is the way of looking at all these different things. 20th century medicine was about what? What is the diagnosis? Is it heart failure? Is it cancer? Is it diabetes? And then you write a prescription for the what? 21st century medicine is about why? Why did you get this problem? And it's not as simple. You need to look at all the different pieces. Classical medicine does not address this and unfortunately is allowing many, many people to have complex chronic illnesses that they need not have. So far you have uh, documented about 200 cases in your book. So how many of those people have actually improved and have you seen positive results? Right. So we have actually now uh, over 3,000 people who are on the program. We just actually published another 100 uh, who all showed improvement. Uh, but whether you improve or not depends very importantly on a number of features. First of all, the earlier, the better. So you go through this long one to two decades period from beginning symptoms um, to when you have full-blown Alzheimer's disease. The first thing that happens is what's called subjective cognitive impairment. So you go through, and that can be even a decade long, where you know there's something wrong, your wife may know there's something wrong, or your spouse or your significant other, but you're still in the normal range on tests. When you begin to test abnormally, you are now called MCI, mild cognitive impairment. Again, you know there's something wrong, the tests are showing it now, but you're still able to do your activities of daily living. You can take care of yourself and things like that. The third phase then is when you're now having difficulty. And so if you think about it, that's a very late, late phase. And that's what we call Alzheimer's disease. So just like by the time you have diabetes, you've gone through a period of pre-diabetes. And before that, it's just often some insulin resistance that is not yet pre-diabetic. So 
again, with these complex chronic illnesses, you have a long time to address yes. it. That's the good news. Yes. The bad news is if you wait till a very late time, it's gonna be more and more difficult. So unfortunately, people tend to get more desperate as they get worse and worse. So they yes. say, okay, we're gonna try this, we're gonna try this. People who have SCI, virtually 100% of them get better. People who have MCI, the majority get better. People who have full-blown Alzheimer's, some get better which of course was very surprising to us at the beginning. I know this is something we're always told it can't happen. Yeah. People with Alzheimer's cannot get better. So you have to kind of reorient your thinking. As we started seeing some people getting better, yeah. the response was that you're you know, breaking some major rule, you can't do it this way. And you, know, you, On the one hand, you have to have clinical trials. On the other hand, the IRBs will tell you you can't do a clinical trial with multivariables. So there's a real catch-22 to try to treat people without looking at all the different parameters that are causing them to have problems really makes no sense. Instead of all the money and resources being put at the end stage, these need to be put at the pre-symptomatic stage and look at these different things and say, okay, here's where you are headed. Let's stop you from getting there. Let's stop you from getting Alzheimer's. Let's stop you from getting Parkinson's. Let's stop you from getting cancer, so forth and so on. So people who are dealing with, with all kinds of degenerative diseases at the moment, if they would do the same tests you have developed for, for Alzheimer's, would you expect them to have also positive results? Again, if you go back to the theory, if you go back to what actually drives these diseases, each one has a mismatch, but each mismatch for the different disease is of a different subsystem. So in fact, Alzheimer's is different than Parkinson's, is different than Lewy body, is different than multiple sclerosis and ALS and all this macular degeneration. Each one, the fundamental idea is the same, but you need to vary the protocol somewhat for each person. So the, the protocol for Parkinson's is not identical to Alzheimer's, but there are features in common. Why is modern society causing more and more Alzheimer's? What are the factors? One thing is that as we see more obesity, as we see more type 2 diabetes, so we also see more Alzheimer's disease because these are related. In fact, if you have type 2 diabetes, you've more than doubled your likelihood of getting Alzheimer's. So we actually live now in a society in which we are giving ourselves Alzheimer's much of the time. It is the things that cause chronic inflammation, the changes in our gut microbiomes, the, the, the actual microbes in our gut, the leakiness of our gut, the pollutants we're exposed to like never before, the high glycemic index foods that we're eating, the air pollution we're exposed to, the, the stress that we have, all of these things create a lethal combination and so, in fact, for most of us, we are keeping Alzheimer's at bay most of the time, most of the time during our lives. For those of us who can't quite do this, we slip into cognitive decline. And it also, by the way, says that for many of us, our normal cognition could actually be better if we would address these issues. Can you describe a case of someone who came to you and, and had the problem of Alzheimer's and maybe already in a severe state? And what happened and how that story developed. Sure. So uh, one of many, for example, a man who developed cognitive decline. Actually, the first thing that happened was 
that he could not remember the lock combination where he worked out at a gym. And from there, things went downhill, and he actually documented his own decline relatively well. So he would go and get quantitative neuropsychological evaluations that showed his, uh, and then it was what happened with many people, he had gone downhill for several years and then really fell off the cliff. He couldn't remember people he'd had lunch with. He couldn't really do his job. Other, he knew the basics of the job, but he couldn't remember many, many things. And his scores dropped from in the 80th percentile, so doing very well, down to third percentile. So he's actually yeah. doing quite poorly. Yes. Uh, and he knew he was struggling. And in fact, uh, the neuropsychologist told him, you have Alzheimer's, the PET scan shows it. You also have ApoE4. So he had the common gene associated yeah, yeah, with yeah. it. And he said, you know, you really need to get your affairs in order because this never gets better and you're going to do very poorly. And so uh, his wife actually brought him to see me. And then slowly, after a few months, he began to improve. Uh, and he sustained his improvements. And in fact, he was being told to shut down his businesses. He's actually kept them and actually opened a new place based on his abilities. So he's still working full time and doing very, very well. And I should say, one of the things that he said that I thought was really interesting was he said, I've allowed myself to talk to my grandchildren about the future once again. Because he had stopped doing that, and then he allows himself now to, to do this. So people always ask, well, so, all right, what is, what is this? You know, is this just about your lifestyles? It's just all this. It's not just about anything. It's about the chemistry. It's about the biochemistry of what's driving the process. Yeah. So you want to start with what are the things that are, cause, that are causing systemic and ongoing inflammation? because that's what we call type one Alzheimer's disease. And so if you have uh, inflammation, you wanna know, is this because of a leaky gut? If so, you can heal your gut. Is this because you're eating the wrong things? Is it because you've been exposed to specific viruses or specific bacteria or spirochetes or fungi? All of those can contribute. So you need to target the ones that you have. Then the second piece is the insulin resistance that we talked about earlier. Many people have insulin resistance. You really want to see your insulin level at about, your fasting insulin at about five. People walk around 15, 20, 25. One of the people who came in, 32. Um, we brought him down. Now he's only gotten to eight. He hasn't gotten all the way back to where he should, but still it was such an improvement that he had just dramatic improvement in his cognition. So, and there are several things you do about that. And you want to target that there are dietary changes, exercise changes, sleep changes, stress, brain training, targeting specific pathogens. If you have toxins, another important contributor, then detoxification, improving your liver, improving your glutathione level. You know, we, almost all of us know our cholesterol. Very few of us know our glutathione level, but we should. Very few of us know our C4A, but we should know it. Very few of us know our HSCRP. Um, this is an era where we are changing things and we must change things to putting more responsibility with you. We live in a society in which we have always ceded our responsibility for health to the physician. But now, in the last 30 years, the physician is ruled by the businessman, which didn't happen 100 years ago. So now, in fact, we are giving the responsibility for our health to the very person who is saying, how can I optimize my profits? So we're in an era where many people are learning more about their own health than their doctors are willing to deal with. So let me show you some examples of what we've been talking about. And here I've got some on a computer. 
here as an example. Yeah, so the ancient doctors understood the relationship of the brain to the body, but didn't understand DNA, RNA, microbiomes, all this sort of stuff. The modern doctors understand things like DNA or RNA, but they haven't understood the fact that these things are all connected together. And so systems medicine is becoming a new thing. And so we need to train a new kind of doctor that actually understands both the ancient and the, the modern approaches. And so we wanted to understand ApoE4, and this just shows that, in fact, ApoE4 appeared with the hominids. It was different, actually, in the chimps. There is a small number of changes, and one of these happens to be ApoE. And so the, the original, the primordial for humans, for hominids, was ApoE4. And so for 96% of our hominid evolution, uh, we've had all people with ApoE4, and it's just been in the last 220,000 years that ApoE3 appeared. So for the people that still have an ApoE4, these people are at increased risk for Alzheimer's. And we discovered that this is, at least in part, because this protein that's made by this gene actually goes into the nucleus and binds to 1,700 different promoters. Yes. And if you ask, okay, what are the things that it's actually influencing? It's the very things that have to do with Alzheimer's disease. You couldn't tell a better aging. story. Inflammation, yeah. aging-related things. That particular gene is impacted directly by ApoE4, as an example. What do you say to older people who suffer from either, you know, they know they have Alzheimer's themselves, or to the loved ones who see it happening in their families? What do you say? So what I say to these people is, Alzheimer's and other neurodegenerative diseases should be rare diseases, and we can make them rare diseases today. If someone is in the very late stages, I recommend please bring in all your children. Let's make sure that it ends with this generation. If someone's very late, it may be that the best we can do is stop it at that generation. For those who aren't so late, Please get in as early as possible and let's make this a rare disease. Let's reduce the global burden of dementia. Let's reduce the global burden of uh, neurodegenerative disease. And ultimately, let's reduce the global burden of complex chronic illness. That is the current problem um, health-wise for the vast majority of us. Thank you for your great work. Thanks very much.